service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 35. Thanks for being here. I had a solo episode last week, so today I have an interview. I am excited. My guest is a Tampa-based companion and former host of the Sexy Escort Guide podcast, Chantelle Etoile. We, uh, we, I guess we recorded this maybe a couple, it's been like a couple weeks ago now, um, but I'm excited. This is actually her first interview that she's done since uh, leaving the podcast. So we talk about it all. We talk about her experience on the podcast, starting out in companionship, fucking wrestling. It's all, we cover it all. It's dope. Uh, <laughs> you can follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, on OnlyFans, at Chantel underscore Etoile. I'll have links to her social media as well as her uh, website and stuff in the Lipson page. So make sure you go to the Lipson page. Give her a follow. While you're there, you can follow her on social media too. Ooh boy, at Full Service Pod on Instagram and Twitter. My personal Instagram and Twitter is at Tank Funkadelic. Give me a follow as well. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That would be amazing. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to on uh, YouTube as well. That'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> I normally, when I do like remote interviews, I'll do it use Zencaster. We actually use Anchor for this one, and I wasn't able to use like my good microphone because I did it through my phone. And uh, <laughs> when I listened back to it, like my mic was cutting out a bunch, but I was also recording separately with my mic. So I basically had to replace all the good on the bad audio with the good audio. So you might hear sometimes where you're like, yo, Tank, you sound kind of weird, dog. What's up? Hey, I just had to fuck with the audio a little bit. It just took like, you know, good like 30 hours, but uh, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> but no, fucking, I'm excited. Yo, it's it's here. It's here. The interview. Chantel Etoile. Sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. What is up, listeners? Welcome back. It is Tank Smith. I'm so I'm so goddamn excited about this episode today. My guest is a Tampa-based companion, former host of the Sexy Escort Guide podcast, Chantella Twelve. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I'm glad we could make this happen. We're living in a it's living in a crazy time right now. This is. <laughs> I know, and admittedly, I did not know about your show, but a client of mine, uh, we he's a fan of your show, and we were having an overnight date a couple weeks ago, and he was like, hey, have you heard of this show? And then we were listening to it while we were in bed, and he was like, you should go on the show, so... Thank you, Mr. M, for that suggestion. Hell yeah, Mr. M, dog. Shout out to Mr. M. Hey, <laughs> hit me up. I'll send you a sticker, dude. Hell yeah. I appreciate, appreciate the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad. I, in bed is the best place to listen to the podcast. I tell everybody. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, you're uh, based uh, based in Tampa. How's, uh, how's Tampa? I am based in Tampa. Um Tampa is Tampa. It's it's a weird, interesting city. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here forever. I will say the uh, the weather when it's not too hot is quite beautiful. Um, the water. I'm much. I'm a water baby. I need to be near water. So that's uh, yeah. that's always nice. Oh yeah, you got the beach right there. I do. I have access to water. You know, pretty much everywhere. Easily access water. So that's always the best. Oh yeah. Are you? Uh, where are you from originally? 
Oh, man. Okay. So I saw this question on the list and I was debating, should I tell the truth or not? So um, I actually am a Floridian. I was born and raised right here in the Tampa Bay area. Oh, shit. So if anybody has been following me for quite some time or following on the show, uh, when I came up with Chantel, I you know, didn't want anybody to know who I was. So I was like, well, the easiest way to do that is to say that I'm from the islands, right? Nice. A lot of the girls in the islands look like me. So um, I knew a guy that was from Martinique and I do speak French. So I was like, perfect. I'll just be from a French island. So (laughs) longest time I had on my ads, on my website that I was from Martinique and uh, I stuck with that story until recently because it was, I mean, it was just hilarious. Clients would email me and be like, <laughs> oh, I've been to Martinique. It's my favorite island. And they would want me to tell them all about my childhood there. <laughs> I was like, man, I've never been there. This sucks. <laughs> I feel like that'd be tough because it's like you got to really do your Martinique research. You know, you got to. <laughs> I was committed. So I've like, so fun fact. I've always wanted to be like a D-list actress. So <laughs> so coming up with Chantel was like my way to be like an actress and, you know, to just kind of like fulfill my own fantasies. And um, so, yeah, I I came up with it and I, I stuck to that story for a very long time. Now, I would tell clients in person, um, you know, I'd be like, no, I'm actually a Floridian. But, you know, they, some would even ask Oh, you know, I don't hear an accent, and I even had a perfect story for that. What's the story for? What's the story for the no accent? I told them, well, I moved here when I was like ten, and you know, imagine moving <laughs> here, you don't speak any English, and you have this accent. Kids picked on me, so I dropped the accent so that I wouldn't be picked on. <laughs> I guess that's a good. I guess that's believable. You know. I think I was saying that I've been here for about. 20 like 20 something years okay being here for that long would make sense why i don't have a accent yeah that makes sense did you ever have anybody be like disappointed that you're like you were like this was whole this was all part of my thing like i wanted to be with somebody who was from martinique now you're saying florida this has shattered my my reality (laughs) (laughs) yes i actually shattered i wanted like two that i can recall two clients where they had like some fond memories of being in Martinique and you know they're like the women are beautiful like you know it's like my favorite island my favorite vacation and so you know it was like they were hoping that you know seeing me was going to bring a little a little bit back you know memories back for them and I was like I am so sorry for shattering your dreams I'm so sorry (laughs) it's like you were his ratatouille and then now it's not you're not even really ratatouille and then he's up oh man (laughs) sorry sorry i mean i would think by now that clients would expect that there's a lot of things that you know companions make up i mean if people are making up like the college degrees that they have like i can make up what city i'm from or what country i'm from right (laughs) are are people making up college degrees i mean i don't have exact (laughs) proof but yes (laughs) day (laughs) I guess uh, you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's all marketing. And this isn't shade. Like, I'm not 
I'm not like talking about anybody specifically. It's just, you know, over oh, the yeah. years, you would you would just read some of, you know, the stuff that they write on Twitter or you would see their website and just the construction and then you'd sometimes meet people and it's like it's oh, very okay. very obvious they're, you know, not as educated as they're claiming to be. Like you majored in English literature. I don't know and if that's factual. Your entire website has typos <laughs> grant grammatical errors you know it's like just little stuff like that where like i don't have proof that they didn't major in it did they flunk out i don't know but i would imagine that you know, there are some people that you know yeah make up things and that's the only thing that i made up though is like where i'm from everything see, else not, is pretty true to me see that's not bad that's not bad yeah it's not too bad <laughs> from from martinique in quotation marks living in tampa <laughs> hell yeah <That's, laughs> i saw uh, i saw you post on twitter the other day a picture at a wwe match are you a wrestling fan oh man i am a huge wrestling fan i am a wrestling nerd fuck yeah you got a who's your you got a favorite wrestler Okay, so my all-time favorite wrestler would have to be The Undertaker. Ooh. The Undertaker <laughs> is actually what got me into watching wrestling. I want to say this is about 90, 98. I want to say it was about 98, okay. and my brother was turning the TV. And I think this was around the time when he had the Ministry of Darkness. Ooh. And they he comes out with like the whole, you know, the whole Clay and Grell, all of them. And I think they were about to do like one of their sacrifices. And I have always, I guess I've always been attracted to darkness. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is just amazing. Like I was so fascinated. Of course, I'm a kid. I'm thinking all of this is real. Yeah. I was just, I was obsessed. And then I have a thing. I'm a huge rocker. So I have a thing for um, guys with long hair and tattoos, you know, the whole <laughs> dark persona thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just became mesmerized. And then as a kid, I know, I was, I was such a terrible child. As a kid, I used to have fantasies <laughs> about marrying the undertaker. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> he would just, I know he's going to be so good in bed. And, you know, he'd have all these things like he could do to me. I used to think about it. I wonder if he'll hit me with a choke slam. <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I was a strange kid for sure. So that started me watching wrestling. And then it just kind of took off from there. Um, my favorite wrestler, like, you know, active wrestler right now would be Drew McIntyre. He is just one luscious large gorgeous man oh fuck yeah i remember my fa my favorite wrestler back in the day was sting with wcw and then if i had to go like wwf it was probably stone cold steve austin oh i was a hater of wcw for sure oh. i was like loyal to my brand i never even i have the stuff about wcw i did not I didn't learn until like the past like couple years when um, I joined the WWE network, of course. So oh, I watch sure. like I watch all the documentaries on there and I'm like, so recently I was watching the Monday Night Wars. I was like, I did not know half of the stuff went on because I refused to turn to WCW. I was Damn. loyal. I was loyal to The Undertaker. I, the Lord of Darkness. I was committed to my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Lord of Darkness. That might be the name of the episode. That was, <laughs> no, that was uh, one of his personas. Like, he's yeah, yeah. always been the Undertaker. But, you know, like over the years, you know, he was like the American badass. He's the Lord of Darkness. You know, he had all these, you know, mystical personas. So, you know, I was I was dedicated to my Lord. <laughs> I, I remember seeing a WrestleMania a couple of years ago when it was like he was undefeated. And I think Shawn Michaels was undefeated. And then they were like maybe headlining WrestleMania. I can't, I don't, I can't remember who won. I think Undertaker might have won. That was um, that WrestleMania performance still brings tears to my eyes. Um, <laughs> I, I, wait, no, not that one. No, not that one. The one with Triple H. Oh, okay. The end of an era. That one brought tears Damn. to my eyes. I mean, because like just never again were you going to see like three of the most iconic wrestlers of all time in a ring together. I mean, that was just such a big performance. Um, but the one against John Michaels, um, that one, those are really tough to watch, especially knowing the injuries that they were suffering. And, oh my um, God, yeah. and I mean, obviously, you know, with the storyline, he was retiring because of his injuries. So those are really tough matches to watch because you could really see um, you know, all the pain in their bodies while they're while they're doing. It. I know people think that wrestling is fake, and I really hate when people say that. They're jumping off shit. <laughs> it is like it's not it's scripted, like the shows are scripted, but it like they really do get injured. They really do put their bodies on the line. Um, fun fact, I don't know if most people know this. I talk about wrestling a lot. But I actually wanted to be a wrestler. Really? Yes. I was a huge fan of China. Okay. Oh, China. Fuck yeah. Shout out to R.I.P. China. R.I.P. Yeah. So she actually followed me on Twitter. I have no idea how she even found my Twitter. I was like, I was brand new to Twitter. She followed me on Twitter like two weeks before she died. No. Yeah. I was like really sad. Um, but I was a huge fan of hers just because, you know, she was a woman in the ring fighting yeah. with the men i mean i'm a really small person so you know i would never be believable in the ring fighting with the men but i wanted to be able to you know to take those hits and bumps like just like the men do and so after china you know then there came uh trish stratus and lita okay and i wanted to be part of team extreme i really felt like i was supposed i was meant to be with the hardy boys <laughs> Another Damn. one of my huge crushes. They're from yeah, they're from North Carolina. I oh, trust me, I know. I'm a yeah. huge fan. I know every too much about them, um, <laughs> and I am a little bit obsessed with Jeff Hardy. He was also somebody that I wanted to marry. There's there's so many. There's there's so many. I just have so many favorites over the years. But yeah, that's that's me and my wrestle story. I was supposed to be at WrestleMania this year. Damn. I had floor seats and it was no. gonna be my first time at WrestleMania. And I was so bummed that, you know, Corona has ruined so many people's lives. I mean, obviously I'm being, I'm being dramatic, you know. Well no, that is that is a that is a loss. It was a, it was an entertainment loss for sure. I mean, it was just absolutely tragic. Damn. Yeah. Corona, cor yeah, it's fucked up out here. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is good already. Fucking wrestling. This is this is great. This is yeah. <laughs> let's end it right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you uh, work as a companion. How uh, how'd you get into companionship? Oh wow. Okay, so. 
Actually, I have, I didn't know at the time that I would have been considered like a sex worker, but I think I was like 18 years old when I had my first sugar daddy. Um, I I used to work at a local grocery store and I had this client that used to come in and he would just give me gifts and money. At the grocery store? Yes, at the grocery store. Like one day he overheard me talking about needing a new pair of work shoes while I was like um, leveling the aisles, like when you straighten up the grocery aisles. Yeah, yeah. And he heard me talking about that. And like a couple days later, he I guess he went to like one of my <laughs> friends at work and asked what shoe size I wore. I wear a size six, if anybody's wondering. Size six, people. Size six. Um, so he actually asked one of my friends. She told him. And she was like, this is really weird. Like, this guy just, like, asked your shoe size. And a couple of days later, like, I came out to my car after work, and there was a bag of shoes, like, hanging on my car. And Damn. I was like, I didn't know who brought them, though. And then one day he came in and was like, he's like, oh, I like your shoes. And I was like, oh, it was him. And so then he started, you know, he was just like, give me money. He'd give me presents. And he followed me from the grocery store to being a bank teller to when I worked at Hooters. So <laughs> that was like my first introductory. And um, after awesome. that, I, I just started like I've always dated older men. So that was not like weird for me at all. Um, and then and this was like before seeking arrangements was like a thing. So that was like my introduction to it. But after like over the years, um, the online sugar dating sites got really watered down. It just became like just, I mean, just awful. Okay. So then one day, like I had a friend that was a friend of the family that was actually an escort. And I knew she was an escort for a long time. And she told me like, listen, girl, you could get paid by the hour and make a lot more. Yeah. And so 2000, it was 2015, I was working as an accountant in, um, in corporate America, and I woke up one day and I was like, I fucking hate my life. So I quit my job and was like, hey, girl, I need you to show me the ropes because I'm done. Damn. I came up with Chantel, and that's, that's that. So you actually quit your job before you actually started full-on escorting. You're like, I'm doing like... Yes, I don't recommend that, just in case anybody's wondering. I do not recommend that. I am one of those people, I just, I kind of just, I'm a free spirit. I just do whatever comes to mind, and that's what I did. I woke up that morning, I was like, I can't fucking take it anymore, and I just, I quit. Um, I still, I started freelancing, though, for a bit. Um, that okay. took me to that took me to some fun places. I spent some time in Italy working for a company. I started. Um, I was helping some st- startups, some local startups, with their accounting and figuring out, you know, their life. That became a drain. Damn. Um, so actually, before I really like, I was Chantel, but I was really nervous about um, about like being arrested. So I kind of. I only had like a couple clients and then I actually started doing webcam. So I was a full-time webcam model for about a year and a half. Oh, Yeah. I wasn't escorting for some time. And then I was like, I don't want to do a camera anymore. Like I'm, I'm really shy. I know people probably would never know that, but I'm actually (laughs) really, I'm really camera shy. So every, I would have like anxiety uh, before going on camera and actually 
even hosting a podcast, I get nervous right before we would hit that record button every single time. Even today, I was nervous about today. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm like, man, you can do this thing. You I'm always this. nervous. <laughs> so I after that, I was like, oh, man, I'm so much more natural like in person. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going back to in-person meetings. So I went back to it. Hell, yeah. Did you have anybody like – to kind of like help you along the way i know you knew that uh that other person who was working as an escort are you kind of doing this by yourself like so she like introduced me to it but she wasn't she kind of was like from the old school days of like you place an ad your phone starts ringing and that's just life right so she was stuck in that old school mentality that just was not working anymore in 2015 And um, so she taught me how to do things the wrong way. Um, She was like, yeah, you know, you put an ad up on Backpage. You, you know, you list, you know, you come out for $200 and then you upsell. And I tried that one time and I swear to God, I felt like my life was in danger. Not, not like, I mean, the guy was like really cool, but I could just see the anger in his face, like this switch. And I, and I thought it was totally normal. I thought that's what everybody did. And so um, I ended up talking to a girl and she was like, no, like that. I mean, you know, maybe like, you know, white girls can do that, but you know, you're a black girl, you can't do that kind of shit. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, you, there's just, you know, things that you can't get away with. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to set my price. So I was like, all right, well, you know, what do I want to, what's going to be worth my time? And so I was just like, all right, I'll do $400. You know, that way I don't have to haggle with people. I don't have to yeah. bargain. I don't have to do any of that. Like $400 an hour, done. Yeah. Um, and then I met, um, you know, I actually still haven't met her, but there is a companion based in Minneapolis. Her name's Victoria Sloan. And uh, she was down in Florida for something and reached out to me. And we ended up talking. And that is where I learned everything because she Fuck told yeah. me about getting a website. Like she, like, I mean, I, it was like day and night. Like I went from, you know, just, you know, back page and arrows to like having a website and not having to deal with like all the phone calls and stuff like that changed the game for me. And, you know, it's just been going up ever since. Fuck yeah. Shout out to her. Yeah. I feel like you need somebody. Is it is it helpful to have like somebody you can like bounce ideas and stuff off of or like a mentor, I guess? Is that helpful? Oh, absolutely. She was, um, I mean, and for somebody who never, like I'd never met her, she was a huge support system for me for a while. Um, I was able to ask her questions and that was one of the reasons I, um, I wanted to start that podcast because I was so grateful that somebody took the time to help me help mentor me and make sure that I was doing things the right way and being safe. And I mean, it really changed my life life drastically. So I wanted to give back because one-on-one mentoring is exhausting. It is a lot of work. So it's like, you know, if there was like a podcast where people could listen to it, that way they can get that kind of mentorship without, you know, having to bother someone or ask someone or, you know, pay someone. So that, I mean, just, I will be internally, like eternally grateful for Victoria's help. I will never forget that because she did not have to do any of that. Fuck yeah. That's so nice. 
Yeah, it's the same thing. Like when you like when I started doing stand up, just like being able to like reach out and talk to somebody who's been doing it for a while, and then they like help, they give you advice or they help like kind of be like, oh, you should do this, say something this way or do something different. And you're like, holy shit, I never even thought of that. And then it just like changes the whole way you like almost think about comedy or think about whatever you're doing. Exactly. Um, and then you're you're not like struggling so much. There's like you're. It's like almost like you know. This industry has, you know, is been is the oldest job ever. And it's like, you know, you get in, you're new, you don't really know things. And it's like you start trying to reinvent the wheel because you just don't know any better. Yeah. Then you're like, it's just so much work. And it's like, wait a minute, there's a reason why people have been able to be successful. And it's like, you know, just kind of sit back and watch. So that, you know, it just it was that was really helpful. Like I just can't even just yeah so helpful and now um you know a lot of people the industry can be very catty and a lot of people are you know always like you know you don't have friends and all this stuff and i disagree i have a small core group of women that have been a major support system for me for the past couple years and I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I don't know where I would be without them. I don't even know if I would still be a companion if it wasn't for these girls. Like if I have a rough day, I have these girls, you know, we have group chats that, you know, we talk to each other. We help each other through things when we're having a rough day. You know, it's just you really it's a good. I have a really good support system around me. And Fuck yeah. shout out to my ladies. I won't I won't name them because, you know. Some people like to remain private, but I think you can pretty much see my interactions on Twitter with, um, you know, with who I'm, who I surround myself with. Yeah. And, you know, but they've been, you know, huge support systems for me. And hopefully I've been as much of a support system for them as well. Oh, yeah. Did, uh, like, I feel like the more, the longer you do something, you know, like the better you ultimately get at it. Do you feel like there was a beginning in like escorting where you like weren't good? Is that? Um, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it it wasn't even necessarily like the beginning. I'll say like maybe about a year or so ago, where, um, you know, the thing with this is you go online, you see you see the the women that you idolize, you see the 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 classy, elegant women. And it looks like, you know, they're getting all the, the trips and, you know, the fly me to use and they're going on the, the paid vacations. Right. So you start you see that and then you kind of start to emulate them like yeah. naturally. Right. You want you want to be you want that stuff. So you feel like this is what you have to do to get it. Yeah. And so I will say where I was bad at escorting was I was being true to myself and it wasn't until somebody recently told me, like we were we were discussing like our goals, right? Like it's good to have these companion friends so you can discuss what are your goals in life. And we were talking about goals and I was telling them, you know, some of the goals that I have. And I was like, you know, I struggle with being my authentic self. So I'm telling this group of girls about some wild stories from my past and they were like holy shit Chantel like that's not possible <laughs> I was like what do you mean they're like you look boring as hell I was like I look boring and they're like yeah you look boring like your Twitter everything about you like you're like you're basically my marketing says that I'm a boring time take yeah. me to brunch take me to brunch but I'm not gonna have much personality 
And I was like, oh, my God, is that what clients think of me? Like, I have no idea. And it's funny because after they mentioned that, I started thinking about conversations I've had with clients. And they're always surprised by, like, when they meet me and then when we start talking and I open up, they're always like, wow, you're, like, actually really cool. And I was always (laughs) thinking to myself, like, why do people (laughs) say that as if it's a shock? Like, what did they expect? And then it clicked, like, oh, well, I didn't realize that my marketing was coming off as, like, some, you know, like, really stuffy. Like, you know, some girls, they could get away with that branding. But I guess for me, that branding did not work. And so I will say that. So, like, maybe the past, like, four years, <laughs> I was bad at escorting because I wasn't being true to myself. And then it was also, you know, I, I didn't want um, I didn't want to be called out, you know, like, if somebody locally, like, thought it was me, I didn't want anybody to be like, that's definitely her. Uh, and then okay. I was I was also afraid of people, you know, a lo- I mean, I'll, I'll say that I don't actually care if people judge me. But if it affects my money, then I care, right? So, yeah. like, so let's say, um, let's say if somebody were to, you know, be like, oh, she likes rock music or she's a wrestling fan, I'm not going to book her based on that. That's when I care. So I wasn't sure, like, you know, I know that, you know, I'm a black girl. I know that, you know, typically black women are not hardcore metalheads so i'm like is that gonna turn off a client fuck that so well of course fuck that but if i'm not if i'm not being booked right that's true it's like you know so then like that's where it's like i'd like to not care but if i'm not being booked then of course i'm going to care so it was like struggling to decide like do i show more of my authentic self and so for four years i was suppressing that i was hiding that now i'm like there are clients that have found out these things about me. Like I actually had a client, um, this was what, 2018, I believe. Yeah. 2018. Okay. He actually met me on uh, from uh, phone sex and um, he, we got to chatting and we would just have like actual like conversations about life, about interests and music. And I opened up to him and told him that I was a huge fan of lamb of God. And okay. he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, so we had many conversations about music and, you know, our favorite bands. And he bought me, like, VIP side stage tickets to a Lamb of God show in in Nashville, Tennessee. And Damn, that's nice. I went to Nashville to see Lamb of God because he gifted me these tickets. So it was like, you know, so after that, it was like, yeah, you know, I should feel a little more open. So I think it was... um Around last fall, I started being more open about that because I made a Twitter post. I was going to see Disturbed, and I was okay. like, you know what? I'm go- I'm just going to do it. I'm going to post it. I posted a picture of me and, you know, my rocker uniform. <laughs> this is what I look like when I go out to concerts. Like, it's completely, like, opposite than what people were used to seeing Chantel as. And I actually got great feedback from it. Do you feel like people have been definitely more receptive of you being more open, like in your authentic self or is it? I honestly, yeah, it's been great. It has been really great. I cannot complain about it. Like I, my only regret is not doing it soon enough. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like a, well, 
it's almost like a fear thing too, and like acceptance, and like are people gonna accept me as this like person or like there's a there's a lot to it. You know, like I was like, are people going to book me for those longer dinner dates? You know, if they think that you know they're not going to be able to relate because. I listened to, you know, Metallica or Lamb of God, but luckily Metallica is, is pretty universal. Everybody yeah. loves Metallica. So that's like a good sector in, in between before I tell people that I listen to like death metal. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the bands I listen to, people are like, I just tell them, I'm like, uh, don't Google it. You might look at me differently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just accept it. You don't have to listen to it. You know? Yeah, don't, you don't have to listen to it. But if you do decide to go down the dark path, <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, there. I went to see in November, I went to see uh, Thy Art is Murder. They're an Australian band. Fucking love them. One of my uh, longer bands that I'm obsessed with is uh, Chelsea Grin. And people hear Chelsea Grin and they're like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm not crazy. Like I just, I love, I love the, actually I love the instruments, like the instruments and the rock music. Like, I mean, people, people talk about mood setting music. The energy of metal shows is fucking incredible. Oh my God. You want to talk about like bringing out my sexual prowess, turn on some metal. I mean, some of the, best uh experiences i've had in my life is me and a partner listening to metal music and that is and i mean and and i'm talking about like romance like not like bondage dominatrix stuff just like pure just utter just like romance just fire passion like listening to our favorite bands and i'm like (laughs) i'm like it's it's amazing i mean i play i obviously play different music with my clients because it's you know metal isn't their thing but if there are any clients out there that get off to metal i'm just saying i'm your girl (laughs) yeah (laughs) i am your girl (laughs) How uh how do how have you felt about showing your face in ads when you started and like now? So I don't show my face. Um, the lot for so for the first couple of years I did a heavy heavy blur, um, but then um I so I did come out to my family. Okay, sweet. Um, I did show my face when I was doing webcam. Okay. And then uh. <laughs> That's a crazy story in itself. But um, but when I stopped doing webcam and I started going back to in-person meetings, I went back to blurring my face. And then after I came out to my family, which wasn't actually fully, I didn't fully come out until they knew that I did webcam, but I didn't fully come out as an escort or companion until last summer. Okay. After that, then I was like, okay, like, you know, I still want a little bit of privacy, but I can at least like, you know, just kind of get away with wearing sunglasses. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I actually wish that I could show my face. Um, I go back and forth with it just because there's some days like, you know, guys are all like, I have a only fans and guys are always like, you know, you know, post selfies. And I'm like, yeah, but like, what, what am I going to do? Take a picture of my face and then blur it. Like, I know, right. <laughs> you know, and I've been told, you know, my face isn't ugly. So, you know, it's like, so why hide it kind of thing? But it's just um, at this moment, just out of respect for um, my mom and my uh, siblings, they're 
uh, future careers. Um, I'm just going to kind of stay blurred so that it doesn't negatively impact them if somebody does find out. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I was I was listening to an episode, I guess it was last year's when you were doing the podcast, and you were saying, like, you came out to your brother before you were about to go to Europe, and, like, that was such, like, just, like, a weight kind of off your shoulders. Yeah, I went to, yeah, so I went to Australia, and I was like, well, somebody, like, if something happens to me, somebody needs to tell my mom. I don't want my mom finding out from the news that her daughter was an escort. Like, they knew that I, you know, was a webcam model and I did phone sex, but they didn't know that I was, like, an escort escort. So I was like, all right, like, somebody needs to know. So I did tell him. Now, he does keep all of my secrets. So he, of course, did not tell my mother. Um, But it was. It was a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders because it's like – you know, it's like just the the line, it, it starts to get to you after a while. I mean, not for yeah. everybody, but for me. And I will say that it is a privilege. Like, I do not take it lightly that I have the privilege of coming out to my family and they fully accepting me for who I am. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That is a major privilege that a lot of women do not have. And and I do not take that lightly. And I, I wish that everybody could experience that, but they can't because, you know, some family members are not open or extremely religious. And my heart goes out to those people. But for me, it was it, it was just like exhilarating. So like like now it's funny because now like when I tell like we like as far as my family goes, um, you know, I just refer to it as work. Yeah. And so my, you know, if I'm on the phone with my mom or my sister, they'll be like, oh, do you have to work tomorrow? And it's just, it's become like quite normal. Hell yeah. It's become very normal. That has, yeah, that support system has to be nice. Just art, having them, having them know and accept it. That's has to be. It really is. Cause it was, it was strange. Like um, I was very proud of the podcast, the work that we did on the podcast. And, you know, we wrote a book and I was very proud of it, and I shared that with my family, but at the time, they I didn't tell them that I was an escort, so I could never tell them the name of the podcast. I couldn't <laughs> show them the book. Like, I couldn't do any of these things, and so now it's like, you know, now that I'm able to share that with them, you know, it's like, oh, hey, here's the book that we wrote. You know, yeah. hey, look, look at these photos from a photo shoot that I did, and and my and my mom and my sister like they love looking at my photos. Fuck yeah! I, obviously, I don't send them nude photos, but like my my photos that are on my website, you know, of me like in dresses and you know, um, bikinis or something like that. They're like, oh my god, like those photos look so great, and you know, so it's it's really cool to have that support system. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you been in a relationships and since uh, starting escorting? So that's actually a really good question. Um, so my last relationship, which is why I started doing webcamming, um, what I was an escort and then I decided that I wanted to get together with my ex. And so we felt we both kind of felt that it would be better if I did webcam instead of in-person meetings, because that even kind of felt a little bit weird for me because I was still new. I, I didn't I wasn't I would say I wasn't fully like confident within myself to be like, 
like, hey, this is just a job, right? Yeah, okay. Take out feelings. This is just a job. So this is very, like, I, I would say, like, five months into me trying to escort. And I was, like, really part-time escorting, honestly, because I was still doing freelance accounting work. Um, so I started doing webcam, and then he started getting jealous of even doing the webcam. Oh, shit. That did not last. And uh, and he actually was so jealous that he would – he tried to out me – Really? Yeah, he threatened to out me. So I was like, hey, guess what? I don't know if anybody knows this about me. I'm one of those people that, like, I will blow up my life before I let you do it. (laughs) So I, like, I give zero fucks. I'm like, I mean, I'm just one of those people. Like, I don't have anything to lose. Like, what do I have to lose? I already, like, left my career um, what am I going to lose money possessions? Like yeah. nothing is more important to me than my family. So it's like on that aspect, there's not much anybody can do to me that can harm me. So I was like, fuck you, dude. And so when I realized he was trying to do that, um, I was like, Hey, I drove to my mom's house and I was like, Hey mom, I need to talk to you. And so I told my mom, I was like, Hey mom, I'm a webcam model. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, I'm basically an internet stripper. And she was like, oh, okay. And so then, you know, she asked, well, why did you, you know, decide to tell me? And I said, oh, because he said that he was, you know, he got drunk one night and was mad and said he was going to out me to my family. And, of course, I can't let him steal my thunder. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, dude. (laughs) I mean, obviously, that relationship ended. But, Yeah. yeah, so... When I told my mom that he was threatening to out me, my mom was like, she immediately was like, oh, nobody, nobody threatens my baby. Nobody outs my baby. (laughs) She's like, fuck him. So, yeah. So she became, so I kind of like, I eased her into, um, you know, the, my sex work life. You know, she, she found out that I had like a sugar daddy, like a few years before and she didn't like that at first. And, you know, then it's like. I've given her little steps and then now I'm like, hey, mom, I'm a full fledged escort. I have a website. I charge these rates. And then she's like, you know, so I kind of ease her into that. I feel like if you ease them into it, that kind of helps a little bit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, this is like I I worked at a phone sex place um, like while I was in college and I did the sales calls right okay and my mom was even upset about that and the guy got fired because i couldn't do the sales because guys would want to talk to me and uh instead of paying so they would talk to me and while i'm getting like while i'm getting their credit card information they just wanted to hear my voice so they would just jack off while i'm you know getting their information (laughs) and then they would hang up and i'm like well what do you guys want me to do like they're like it's not my fault they find my voice sexy like yeah i don't know what else to tell you like they were like oh my god your voice like can i just talk to you so they were like well you want to work on the actress side and i told my mom and my mom was like no way like disgusted like at the thought of like these guys jacking off to you know me talking to them and i'm yeah. like so i'm thinking like looking back looking back now my mom probably would have been like yeah stick with that (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's crazy that's like pretty quick right where you exchange the uh exchange the credit card info that's a that's a quick uh they're they're pretty fast no the process actually took (laughs) just like three minutes 
So like the so these guys are calling <laughs> like they're charging by the minute, right? So these guys yeah. they call, they're already like halfway there, right? They're trying to okay, save yeah. their, they're trying to save their coin. So they're already halfway there. And then, you know, they would be like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. Can you repeat that number back to me again? Oh, oh wait, God. I think you got the wrong number. Repeat it to me again. And it's like, you know, after that, it's like I realized that they what they were doing. Like, can you read back my address? I want to make sure the address is right. right. They, and, and guys would just tell me, like, I really don't give a fuck what you're saying. Just keep talking. Like, they did not care what was coming out of my mouth. They just wanted to hear my voice. And I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> you should just call Walmart and then ask for a department that have them go check on a product that they don't have. And then, like, right? Like, you would you would think yeah. that guys would do that, but no, they they don't want to do that. I guess. I mean, I feel like I don't also have that problem too, to where like people are hearing my voice and they're like, "Oh, this is nice." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's i mean but to get fired because of it that really sucks man because i needed that job i was in college that's fucked up you can't because you're fired that's like just being fired for being too good at your job right? no i was i was technically not good at my job because i didn't meet the sales quotas okay they were like you need to try harder and i was like literally me speaking isn't <laughs> working like i'd have to be set like do you guys have like an online chat where I could just type? Maybe I could convert some sales. But as long as these guys are hearing my voice, like, I mean, when I tell you my sales numbers were bad, I think my conversion rate was like less than 10%. Damn. Yeah. That's Because guys would like really just, <laughs> they just wanted to talk to me. And, and I've never liked the sound of my voice. So when people tell me that they love the sound of my voice, it's still very foreign to me. I'm just like, I don't know what people are hearing, but people like yeah. it. I Listen, I won't fight people over it, but hey, I'm just like, I don't get it, but you made me lose my job, guys. Thanks. <laughs> you're like, if you say so, I guess, yeah, hell yeah, I'll take it. I guess. I mean, if you hear it more than like a handful of times, like, I guess I should start believing it. But when I hear my own voice, it's just like, eh. but I think everybody has that problem, right? Yeah. Once you hear back, you're like, what the fuck? fuck is this do i really sound like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> have uh have you ever developed feelings for any uh anybody while escorting um like romantic feelings where i thought that like i could just like drop everything and run away kind of thing yeah let's say that um no no i have not i have had clients that i've been very fond of and that, you know, when, you know, that kind of time has passed, it's sad. But I, I'm a realist. So I know that these guys are not hiring me to want to marry me one day. Yeah. But I do miss them as clients. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've had great experiences. Like, I will say one of my earlier favorite clients I actually met when I was doing webcam. I wasn't supposed to, but somehow he like found, um, he found like my Skype or something. Like I made it very easy for guys to find me off site. So he found me okay. and we started chatting and, you know, he was my, he was my like, you know, virtual client for, I want to say about eight or nine months. And then I was like, oh, I shit, was like, nice. Hey, you do know that I'm available to see in person. And he lived in Dallas. So he flew me out to Dallas like two weekends in a row. And then we started seeing each oh, other like, shit. Like at least once a month, and then um, he actually took me on a work trip with him overseas. We spent we That's spent nice. a week in London together, so that was really amazing. So, you know, he's you know, of course, you know, there's distance, and you know, the whole 
you know, time to get married for the family thing happen. Um, so, you know, yeah. he's moved on and, you know, I actually, the last time we saw each other was last year. Um, we went to Vegas together and that was a lot, that was more of like our kind of goodbye trip. Okay. We knew that, you know, he couldn't continue seeing me if he wanted his relationship to work out. Um, so it was bittersweet. I miss him dearly, but you know, I hope that he's doing well in life, but, um, but no, I never, I never like fell in love, but we do, I do have clients that I, I care deeply for. Like I really care about them, not just as a client, but just as like a person that's in my life. You know, kind of, kind of yeah. like, you know, kind of like Mr. M that introduced me. He's, he's been a client of mine for, um, a little, like a little over a year, but we have like this great special bond and he's a really special client to me. So I'm very grateful to a lot of these wonderful client relationships that I have. Oh yeah. Do you feel like, uh, attraction plays a role at all in seeing clients? Um, so I will say that. I, I would love to give that PC answer that would make everybody happy, but I'm going to speak true to myself. Hell yeah. Hit, hit it with that truth. Okay. So for me, I am really big on personality, right? So this is one of the reasons why I prefer longer dates because even if I like, just like I meet a guy and, you know, he walks through that door and he could look like the undertaker and I would want to jump his bones. <laughs> But I am one of those people, like, I can't really open up and, like, just really enjoy myself until I have that emotional connection. So for me, like, yeah. the one-hour date, I just, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm faking it or anything, but the, attra like, I need a little more than just a physical attraction. I need that emotional attraction. Yeah. I, I love intelligent men. I love nerds. I really love nerds. Um, I nice. took me a long time to admit that to myself. Um, <laughs> but I found myself like I had a client for a couple years in a row. He would come down here for a conference and he was um, he was a neuroscientist. And we would spend most of the weekend just talking about you know, his job and everything and about space and quantum physics. And, and I would just find myself getting so like worked up, <laughs> just like the exercise of my brain. Like he's, you know, telling me about these things that, you know, I, I do like to read and I, I like to uh, do my own research on things. Right. But I'm going to be honest. It's not like I'm sitting here reading the scientific journal because I, I don't yeah. have time. My background is in finance. I have other things going on. So I don't have time to leisurely read scientific journals. But if somebody were to send it to me because they were like, oh, hey, check this out. I thought you'd be interested. It's like, oh, my God, thank you so much for sending that to me. So, like, oh, yeah. you know, we're just talking about these things and I'm learning so much and I'm like, I'm soaking up all the knowledge that he's teaching me. I love men that can teach me something like nothing sexier than that. And I just, I find myself just getting so turned on by these kind of things. So physically that helps. I won't say that it doesn't help. It definitely helps, but I, I need that personality, that emotional, emotional that intelligence factor for sure. Fuck yeah. So I got a question, right? Hot or not, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh my god! <laughs> He's a nerd. What are we? I'm how are we... so sexually attracted to him. 
<laughs> I am. My boy, Neil. Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, oh, man. You're like, tell me about the ship of the imagination. Oh, my God. You I watch, like, that anything shit. that he's on. Um, I, Like, him, like, <laughs> somebody, some, so when I was, so I was a cheerleader. I opened up about that on Twitter a few months, uh, like, several months ago. Um, but I grew up as a cheerleader. And so for the longest time, people just assumed that I wanted jocks, right? Like I needed that athlete. Yeah. So even now, people who don't really know me, they they think that, oh, you know, because I'm not some athletic stud and blah, 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 you know, you're not going to be interested. And I'm like, oh, my God, actually, athletes tend to be the worst for me just because it's like they yeah. rely on their looks and their muscles. That does nothing for me. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Drew McIntyre. I love to look at him. But some of some <laughs> of my favorite wrestlers that I like, um, just for an example, like Braun Strowman, right? He's he's okay. a tall guy. Like he's fucking huge. But he's not like, you know, he's a he's a little, I don't know what to call it, like a little doughier, right? He's not like he's not like oh, okay. he's not like chiseled abs, you know, eight pack. You know, he had, you know, he yeah. kind of has like that, a little bit of dad bod going on and foam padded steel. That's what I like to call it. I am a huge Braun Strowman fan. Like I, I love, I like really tall guys, but that's, but <laughs> it's not that they're tall. I think it's more like I'm obsessed with me being short and I like, okay. I like how tall guys make me feel short. Do you feel like, have you ever used a like tender, like Bumble kind of shit? I tried to use Tinder. I got kicked off in one day. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't. I don't use any of that stuff. Um, I have. I have yeah. OnlyFans, and that's already enough work. Like, sorry, I'm so sorry, guys. I I haven't posted in a couple days, but I'm trying to like get a section cleared in my condo for me to film. So just bear with me. <laughs> because <laughs> you'll see the height thing on there where it's like i only want dudes at least six foot the uh on tinder you'll see that a lot. see i would never do that because like again i'm attracted to the personality right so even if a guy isn't you know six seven it's not mean that i'm not going to be attracted to him it's just you know yeah. i do also like guys that are like six seven like i love guys that are six seven <laughs> i'm only i'm only five feet tall five feet zero inches so i mean so anybody is taller than me so it's not hard to be taller than me i just yeah. I like the giant factor because it just makes me feel really it makes me feel really small dainty i'm i'm very very feminine so it it kind of I mean, makes it, me it makes me feel like a little more feminine when the guys are like these just giants <laughs> I mean, I'd like a six, seven tall chick too. That'd be cool. Also, I did. That'd be. That'd be How sweet. about a six foot chick? Because I can introduce you to three. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can introduce you to three ladies right now if you want at least a six footer. They're beautiful, gorgeous ladies. I can introduce you if that's your thing for sure. I do see it on Twitter. They'll like lead with the six foot in their like description of their like name. I mean, they it. have legs like, for okay. days. Like I'm, I'm well, I'm yeah. proportioned, but I don't have legs for days. Like I'm five feet tall. So my legs end. They definitely end. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> a little tiny compact human being with huge tits. That's. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> 
Do uh, do you feel pressure in a session to live up to clients' expectations at all? Um, I used to. Um, now that I well, after the kind of review culture died down just a little bit, that's gotten better. And I would tell people all the time, if I have to live up to an expectation, you're not going to have that much fun with me. I like to, I like, I'm one of those people that feed off of other people's energy. So if your energy is like, I can, I definitely am good at reading people, right? So if I walk into a session and I could see in their brain, it's like, you know, they're is she going to do this, this, and this? Like they're like that checklist there that's going off in their head. Yeah. I can sense that. And you're, I, I'll be like a robot. It's not that much fun. But when it's just like, Hey, neither of us know what to expect. We're like in there. We're, you know, we're meeting for the first time and we're like just it, getting to know each other and exploring the like, Oh, pressure is off. Like I'm just like relaxed. I'm Fuck having yeah. a fantastic time. Hell yeah. Do you feel like being being a black woman, your experience has been different at all from like white providers? So, yes. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of a hard question because I've never been a white provider, so I can't say what yeah. it's like to be one. Um, but just from what I see and not even just like being a companion, right? Just society in general. Yeah. I will say this and I know that I am going to get a ton of shit for it. And frankly, I don't really care because it's my experience. Um. But yeah, it is very different. And I have, I will say that for a white woman, you just have to not be ugly, right? And yeah. I'm not saying that white women are ugly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you just have to not be ugly and society thinks that you're drop dead gorgeous, right? You just have to not be ugly. So it's a lot yeah. easier for white companions as far as like marketing and everything um you know if they're actually trying of course you know you have you have girls that are drop dead gorgeous that think they're just going to get by on their looks and it doesn't work out well for them because you have actually do have to put in some work into being a companion right yeah but for black women what i've learned over the past five years from doing um i mean i've pretty much done almost every line of sex work except for being a stripper um, so from being a Hooters waitress to being, you know, escort, a cam model, phone sex, all of it for black women, you have to be well above average looking to even be considered pretty. Like, does yeah. that make sense? So white women just not be ugly and you could be gorgeous. Black women, you have to be like a bombshell just to be recognized as pretty and it reflects in your clientele no matter how confident you are in yourself but if you were to be like oh well, I'm confident I know I'm a bad bitch you know I know I could charge whatever I want guys are gonna pay it well the market says otherwise right so yeah the market kind of reflects that there is a huge difference you know I'm very I'm very lucky that um you know that I can charge the rates that I charge because I've gotten many emails when I was on webcam and I was like, I think I was like $4 a minute. Like when I, I got really good at oh, nice. it and I was like $4 a minute and I creeped up to like four fifty a minute. I literally had guys tell me like, you know, you're black, right? You should be charging two fifty a minute, you know, and oh, and really? two fifty because you have huge tits. 
you know and so otherwise it would be two dollars <laughs> yeah so then it you know so it's like i hear these things i have i've had emails from guys that like oh your rates are too high for a black woman and this was when i was yeah. at my lower rates and it was like dude what the fuck you know so it's like and i and I'm i just, know I'm that i know that panions experience time wasters but when I but I will say that there's a huge difference in the the frequency that um, that black providers kind of receive that kind of feedback from, you know, my white counterparts. And this is no shade to white women, of course, like it's not it's not yeah. their fault. You know, they're it's not their fault. This is just how society is like. I'm just being honest. This is society. But am I going to wallow in it? No, I just you know, it is what it is. And I just you know, I just. Do whatever I do that's best for me. Fuck, I mean, that's all you can do. Exactly. Yeah. I know you uh, You mentioned reviews a second ago. How do you feel about review websites? I hate them. <laughs> yeah. Reviews are like a double-edged sword, right? I feel like, you know, especially in the age of the internet where you have scammers. And, I mean, I've heard of guys, like guys who would use pictures of women or use women to you know to get the money from and they'd be the one you know responding to these guys to get money from them and then you know they just never show up to appointments i we've i mean that that happened to me last month oh no i'm so sorry (laughs) you know and then you you hear of the we you know we've all heard of the companions that do terrible shit you know they steal deposits and stuff on that aspect i say that you know a review of like hey I've met her. She's a real person. She looks like her photos. You know, she's not a bait and switch. And, you know, she provides a great service. You know, like, I I have no complaints. But the review of, like, rating us on a scale of 1 to 10 on our looks. I mean, looks are what one they're so subjective like what one guy likes doesn't mean another guy's gonna like it you know there's so many different body types some guys you know like the very athletic bodies some guys like bodies that are you know more soft you know like so what i deserve to get a five because i don't have an athletic body you booked me right so it's like it's like one of those things it's like you, you we're being rated on stuff that's based on it has nothing to do with like whether or not we're going to provide a good service and like, uh, you know, the site that will never be mentioned out of my mouth, um, you know, they have the rating of like the service acts. And I remember I had a client that was trying to give me a 10 because he enjoyed our date and they were like, yeah. they're like, I didn't do, she didn't nah. do X, Y, and Z. You can't give her a 10. He was like, I didn't want X, Y, and Z. So why should she be? rated on something yeah. that i didn't even want to do in the first place like that's not fair and that's where that's where the hatred for the re- review sites come yeah it's all it's all so subjective and it's like yeah i'm like i had a 10 time with this person but i can't because we didn't do this other thing like that's fucking that's yeah it and, and it's like and it's and that's where that you know back to that pressure question that's where the pressure came in because it's like you wanted to make sure that you checked off all those things to make sure you got a good rating and it's like, yeah. no, it's like, like, it, it wasn't authentically me. And I love being my authentic self, you know, like in my personal life, yeah. I am 100% me. Professionally, it's like, you know, I walk a fine line. Do I be really authentic or, you know, do I keep that fantasy for people? And the review sites definitely made that worse, made it so much worse. Yeah. Damn. That may, yeah, that makes sense. Just feeling pressure to live up to this thing. Oh, because I want to get a good review. Like, want to get a good exactly, review. exactly. 
Like I kind of, I kind of, or I equate a little bit to like comedy because it's like I can see a comedian and I'm like, oh my god, they're so funny, and then I could show that same video to somebody else and they're like, I didn't really think that was funny. Right? It's such it, comedy. Comedy like, is very subjective. Like, yeah. Like you know, people really have very hard feelings about Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to come to Dave Chappelle, motherfuckers will fight you. I, <laughs> I particularly like Dave Chappelle. Um, cause I do, oh, yeah. I do have that. I like that dark humor, you know, um, that's yeah. kind of like, you know, the reality, if we can't laugh at, if we can't laugh at life, then we're just going to be miserable all the time. Right. Um, and yeah. you know, there's like, there's truth to something. So Everything is always subjective. So these these ratings that are based on like these like such like hardcore standards, it's just like hard. And then a lot of it is like if you weren't providing unsafe services, you could only get a max score. And it's like so you're not even trying to promote safety. You're just promoting like what a guy can get and the the more riskier you are, the better score you get. And that's I don't appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Do you feel uh, so? I read the Lola Davina book, Thriving in Sex Work, and uh, she talks about like physical labor and emotional labor of the job. Do you feel like the job is more like physically laborious, emotionally laborious? It is a lot of emotional labor. That is one thing that people don't tell you. Like, so when you hear the the um, you know the assholes that are screaming out, you know, you're selling your body. And I'm like, trust me, I'm not. It is very, it's very emotionally laborious. Like it really is. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, I'll be honest, I am a very, like, because I am a very emotional person after I have, like, if I have like a long date, like a dinner date or overnight date, I usually need like about like, you know, a good day before I interact with people, like whether it's on the phone or anything, like other than talking to my mom, like I won't even go hang out with friends. Like I need to come home and I just kind of need to like reset myself because I, I do put in a lot of emotional energy because, you know, people think that we're just playing a part, like pretending like we care, but it's, it's not true. I really do genuinely care about my clients, what they're going through. I mean, clients open up to us about some very personal things in their lives, you know, struggles, whether it's work or with yeah. the relationship. And, you know, we, I spend time, like, it's like, a, it's like therapy, like therapy for them. And people think it's just like, Oh, you walk in, it's like, wham, bam, thank you, bam. And I'm like, no, nope. That's, I mean, of course you have those guys that are like that. Absolutely. But that's not the, that's not yeah. really the companion that I'm, that I am. I, I definitely provide a better emotional service. And then we can, you know, physically connect from that emotional part that we just had. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like increasing your rates, your like emotional and physical labor like went up? Do you feel like there was a change in that? Okay, so yes and no. So I will say my emotional labor went up, but in a good way because okay. I got the better clients that are looking for an emotional connection and not just a physical connection. So for me, that worked out great for me. Now there are, okay. there are companions that, you know, emotional labor is not for them. They don't really want to be the therapist. Like I know a couple girls that are like, Hey, you know, I'm good with an hour, like hour in and out. Like I, I know some that have panic yeah. attacks 
you just thinking about having to go on a dinner date. Um, so I will say for me, raising my rates made it better for me and, and the type of, uh, the type of labor that I want to provide, but in a good way, I, okay. I love, I love doing the emotional support thing. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. I feel like that has to be fulfilling when you like kind of like somebody is able to open up to you and then you're able to help them with a the problem and they leave like really just like feeling good. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's another thing. Like um, some clients that I don't want to say brand new to the industry, but you know, they're, you know, they're new and they're, you know, they're still trying to, you know, figure out what they want from a companion. I should say a lot of, a lot of guys yeah. seek out companions, not knowing what they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I did. When I first started, I didn't really know, like, I was like, am I really just like, is it strictly like a sex thing? Is it like an emotional connection? Is it intimacy? What the fuck is it? And then after talking to people, you realize like, oh, this is why I'm doing this thing. But a lot of people don't know that until you kind of like ask and like talk to people. You might be like, I don't know why I'm doing that. Like, I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't really know why I'm really the, the heart of why I'm doing it. Right. And, you know, I, I found that to be like a, a common factor with, with some clients and they would, you know, they it's like they they just didn't realize that they they were missing that connection, um, or you know, like just a lot of you know marriage. After so long, yeah. you know, it's like you're kind of roommates, right? And the your your day to day action is you know it's no longer about you, it's about the kids, it's about work, it's about everything other than just you know like kind of the two of you together. So a lot of guys don't even realize they seek out companionship just because. They just need something that isn't just like their day to day boring lives. And I shouldn't say I shouldn't say yeah. boring, but you know what I mean? The 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 routine. Yeah. You gotta break the routine. A lot a lot of guys need that and some won't even admit it to themselves. And I've gotten people to admit it. Like just if you know why you're doing something, then do it, right? I know it makes it so much easier than like... You're not lying to me. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I'm good at my job for a reason. I sometimes I help people realize things that they didn't even realize about themselves, and I'm like, "Hey, this is what I this is why I do what I do." Yeah, I'm just helping you. I'm just making the world a better place, you know. <laughs> one one date yeah. at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you started the podcast. When do you when do you start the podcast? Uh, we started the podcast in February 2018. Fuck yeah. How was it uh, until you left? How was how was it doing the podcast? Oh man, I was prepared for this question. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said before, uh, I really did enjoy giving back to new companions because somebody had helped me. But I will say that it was really hard to grow as a personal brand when you're so yeah. heavily associated with brands that you know that are bigger than yours and the show the show yeah. like kind of swallowed me and you know of course my brand and it was so much work and you know that as being a podcaster yourself right it's, it's a lot <laughs> so it was like a lot of work for very few long term results and uh you know because of that it it I got a lot of hate on social media, right? Really? You got a lot of hate. People are always like, oh, fuck the haters. You know, it doesn't matter. But, you know, the brand, like, made it appear that I was, you know, much bigger and doing better than what I actually was. And that ended okay. up having a huge, like, negative impact, like, financially and mentally. People did not oh, okay. know 
how much time I was putting into the show. It, it, it affected (laughs) my business. Like, my personal business, like I did not have time to like really plan marketing to, you know, to really spend that much time on my website. Like I was, I was doing all the tech work. So when I'm done updating the website, like I want to get away from my computer. Like I've been editing the show for hours and I want like, now I need a mental break. I need to get away from my computer. And then it's like, Oh, now I got to go back on my computer to update stuff on my website. So, you know, it just, it just kind of got to be just, a, it got to be a bit much. Until you, until you do something, you don't realize how much work goes right. into it. Like if you have a, if you have an hour long podcast episode, most likely you spend at least three times. Oh God. And then if there, that, if, if there more. are no technical issues, if there are technical issues, then like, <laughs> I remember one day there was like some issues with the audio and I spent probably a good eight hours on one episode. Just, just the editing, yeah, making sure it sounded good. And it was just like, it was a lot. And you know, and then also i just i kind of feel like the show wasn't giving the accurate representation of like who i am as chantal and you know like kind of like we talked about before like i feel like i'm still finding myself um as as my brand and distancing myself away from the show was probably the best decision that i ever that i made i mean it was bittersweet don't get me wrong yeah um, but, you know, we were releasing weekly episodes. We were writing a book. We were, you know, having events. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of work. And and people, for some reason, like I remember like on like people were sending me stuff online. I would just tell them, like, just don't send me anything else. But people were sending me stuff where people thought that somehow we were making all this money from the show. And that's how we were, you know, financing our life. And I'm like, no, that that's like not true. Like. Like I actually started losing money being on the show. Like, oh, this this show costs money. <laughs> the, I mean, the show costs money, but then I wasn't booked as much because it's like, you know, there there's a what people don't tell you getting into it is all the marketing that's involved. I'm, you know, it's like yeah. I don't have time to update my ads. I don't have time to be on Twitter all day, and it, you know, so it's like my personal brand suffered. And you know, people would find me through the show, but that's not where I want my clients to find me. Like, you know, it's like, I don't want okay. the show to be my, my advertising for me. That show was to help clients and companion navigate this world, not for me to just yeah. like book clients. So, so yeah, it was very, it was, it negatively impacted me financially because people thought, Oh, she's, you know, doing this. And then there was drama online. Clients don't want drama. So it's like, I was being dragged <laughs> into drama just because, you know, just being on the show and people had their opinions and I'm a, I'm very, very opinionated. I don't know if, I don't know if you could tell that very opinionated. (laughs) I give zero fucks. And so I would, and, and because I'm emotional, I would just say things and I, I, I respond, you say something to me, I will respond and not even think about it. And then it looks like drama. And I'm like, but in my, in my like, you know, personal, well, personal companion life, not my Twitter life. Like, I don't care for the drama. Like, I'm just like, hey, let's hang out. Let's chill. Let's talk about life and philosophy and the universe and whatever else there is. Drama isn't anything that I want to talk about. Like, I'll watch a drama. I don't want to be part of it. (laughs) You know? Yeah, for real. So it's like, it's one of those things that definitely was a, you know, negative impact. But 
I will say, um, since leaving the show, though, uh, my just my companion life, uh, my professional life, I've I've actually gotten back. I've gotten back into um, some freelance work. Okay, nice. I was practically begged out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend that was like, he knew somebody who was like, hey, you know, this person has some issues going on with the business and I really think you'd be the best person. I was like, eh, I don't really have time. And yeah, they give you that number that you can't refuse. So and you're like, well, Hey, I got to do this. Yeah. Shit. So, th- so <laughs> that is keeping me busy, but you know, as far, but I being on the show, I would not have been able to accept that. Yeah. Like, so basically I consult now, not full time, but you know, one project, this yeah. particular project is very time consuming. So my companion life, my professional consulting life and my personal life, it I have a good balance between all of that now. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. So I, I don't regret leaving. Fuck yeah. Where, uh, where do you see yourself in like five years? Oh, that's a good question. So let me just take you back real quick to five years ago. five years ago somebody asked me well you know when you're doing this you know everybody always feels like you you should have like an out day like nobody wants to be a companion forever so when I started I was like all right in five years I see myself you know retiring and everything well come January 2020 in my five years and I was like yeah shit's just getting good I'm just now like becoming like the authentic you know version of Chantal I don't want to give it up now like things are going so great I'm having fun you know can't wait to see what kind of dates I'm gonna book now that people know that I'm a wrestling fan and that I love concerts hell yeah (laughs) take me to the space launch and you know just I'm just such a like my interest just very just drastically varies um so five years from now um I will say that um, I do know that um, coming up and probably, you know, over the next five years, I'm going to be more part-time as I work on other projects. One thing that I've learned about myself in life is that I have a problem with chronic boredom. And once I master things, I'm ready to move on to the next. So while companionship is exciting, you know, I imagine that I'm probably going to be ready to move on. I'll probably still always have some version of it um, in my life, rather, you know, even beyond five years from now. But I see myself moving on to my other business ventures, traveling more, um, just doing other projects that I, I have like a notebook full of projects. Like this is all I do all day is think. And when I'm at home, just ideas pop into my head and then it's like, I don't have the time to do them. But now that I have more time, I've been starting to chip, chip away a little bit at a time on some of these projects. So I'm really excited uh, for the next five years. I can't say exactly where I see myself in five years only because a lot of it is not based on being a companion, but I don't know one day, maybe my, my, both of my paths will cross people who usually meet me (laughs) i hear all the time you should write a book and i'm like why should i write a book like am i gonna write a book as my vanilla self or am i gonna write a book as chantel 
I'm like, there is, I, there's yeah. enough sex work books out there. Like what, like, what am I going to say that's any different? And, but the people that know, you know, me on both sides, they're like, no, you should just like write an overall just book. So I'm like, well, then that means that I'm going to have to, you know, implode my life. And so I, yeah. I, maybe I'll do it. I don't know. Maybe I will write a book. And then at that point, some of my personal projects won't be, you know, that affected by being a companion. Oh, so yeah. who knows? Who knows? I, I don't know what's going to happen in five years, but I'm very excited to find out. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, are you are you a stand up comedy fan? At I all? am. <laughs> I'm a huge stand up comedy Ooh, fan. Boy. I I do like some of the big names. Don't get me wrong. I like Dave Chappelle. I like Gary Owens and uh, Chris D'Elia. I I like those big names, but I also find myself being like, I, I like the cult following of like um some of the Facebook guys. Um, uh, oh yeah. What's his name? Steve Huff Huffsetter. Is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah. Steve Huffsetter. I, love his banter with the hagglers in the in the crowd um and people you know people love to say that he sets it up and i'm like i don't really give a fuck it's hilarious and um, yeah and drew drew lynch i he's fuck really yeah. funny he's adorable he's, he's so adorable funny. super cute I gotta- <laughs> he's adorable <Yeah. laughs> And he's like so nice too. Like my buddy opened up for him, and he's like just like just like a genuinely nice person. I like genuinely nice people. I could I could tell that about yeah. him. So, yeah, I I'm a yeah. new. And then there there are other names like I don't know if anybody else has this problem with Facebook, but you'll watch a video, and you know sometimes the comedy skits are you know like five to ten minutes. So I like put my phone down, and I'm you know while I'm doing other things, and then I'll go to like the video or to go get their name, and then. Facebook will like the app will shut down and then I'll go back into it and then I can't find the person. So there, so oh, there's yeah, like a yeah. lot of like the the underground Facebook crowds that I um, that I watch and um that are just super funny. Some of the ones um the dry bar comedy I think it is. Oh yeah, I got I know a couple of my friends have done dry bar specials. I follow it and I'm just like, oh, this is so great! Like some of these guys are really good, and I'm like, I can't wait for them to get a Netflix special. Yeah, I really do like a lot of comedy. Tiffany Haddish, I like her. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea so Handler, um, some of the other ladies, but yeah, those, the underground is, you know, where people get their really good work. That's where it's at. There's so many, there's so many funny people that just like aren't popular. People don't know, but they're like so good. Like it's, My it's mom horrible. always tells me that I should be like, she's been telling me for like, I don't know, 15 years, you should do stand up. And I'm like, nobody wants to hear me talk. <laughs> just go to open, start going to open mics. That's all you got to do. I don't know. People say it, but it's like, it's one thing you're talking to friends and like a standup routine. Am I really going to be that funny? I don't know. Y'all got to improv in Tampa. Oh, I know we do. I've been there many times. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, but am I going to be funny? That's the thing. Like, right. It's like people say things. It's like, yeah, I can talk to you and you may think I'm funny, but am I funny enough to get up in front of a crowd? Like the crowd may not think I'm funny. You may think I'm funny because you're my mom. Moms are always supportive. (laughs) There's only one way to know. It's just like, you just got to do it. That's the only way to know. Maybe I'll do it one day. There are like things on my bucket list that I want to do just like as an experience. Um, You know, whether it's great or I fail at it, I just want to do it as an experience. Um, Being being a D-list actress is one of them. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to be in um, a Lifetime movie. 
or ha- or Hallmark, Ooh. Hallmark or Lifetime. I've always wanted to be in one of those. I should probably work on that. Um, and doing and doing like yeah. one stand up show, just one. I mean, if, if I just uh, happen yeah. to be good at it, I wouldn't mind continuing. But just at least just to cross <laughs> off my bucket list, and maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll finally work up the nerve to go to Tampa Improv and do it. But who do I do? I do it as Chantal. I don't see. I don't know. He can do it as whoever. Yeah. No, we'll we'll see. Okay. We'll figure that out. Hell yeah, Chantal! I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is actually uh, my very first time being interviewed solo about me and not about the podcast. So my very my very first interview. So thank you. Fuck yeah! Where uh, where can the people find you online? Follow my Twitter. I'm at Chantel C H A N T E L underscore E twelve E T O I L E. Um, and my OnlyFans is the same exact handle, and so is my Instagram. So I'm available on all of those platforms. Oh, yeah. Chantal, I appreciate you coming on the podcast for Marty. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Fuck yeah. Thank that. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thank Make you so much. And as always, guys, keep it sexy. Fuck yeah. Listeners, we will see you later. All right. Bye. That was my interview with Chantal Etoile. Yeah, shout out, Chantal. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was a good time. Also, shout out to Mr. M. Yo, appreciate that, dude. Hey, hit me up. I got you a sticker. And also, really, anybody who wants a sticker, just uh, DM me or something, and I'll send it. I got a lot of stamps, you know, and a lot of envelopes and a lot of stickers. So uh, hit me up, and I got you. But no, I uh, appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. This has been episode 35. Chantel plugged it. I will plug it again. You can find her on Instagram, on Twitter, on OnlyFans, at Chantel underscore twal. I'll have links to all of that in the Lipson page. So go to the Lipson page. Make sure you give her a follow. While you're there, give us a follow. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Full Service Pod. Like I said before, my personal Instagram and Twitter at Tank Funkadelic. If you want to be on the podcast, if you want to hear anything talked about on the podcast, if you want to share your experience, fullservicepod at gmail.com. Send me an email and we can make it happen. It'll be it'll be good. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> But no, I appreciate you listening. If you enjoy the podcast, I plugged it at the beginning. Subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We are on YouTube. We're on pretty much everywhere where you can find podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but if you could, uh, if you could give us a rating, write us a review, that would be beautiful. We're only, uh, we're still 35 episodes. Is that a new podcast still? Uh, it's been since October. But uh, <laughs> if, if you could write us a review, that would be incredibly helpful, just for visibility for podcasts. Um, but no, it's episode 35. I really appreciate you being here. I got another interview next week. Ooh, boy, I'm excited. <laughs> My guest is Lillian Moore. She's actually an Oakland-based escort. We uh, we recorded this back in, uh, I guess, maybe the end of February, uh, beginning of March. So it's been a little bit, but uh, it's a good interview. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> as always, we'll be here every Tuesday. You know, I hope uh, I hope everything's all right wherever you're at. It's crazy times. Corona is out there. I got some links in the Libsyn page. Uh, <laughs> there's a GoFundMe for the workers, the employees at Good Nights Comedy Club in Raleigh, North Carolina. There's also a GoFundMe for sex workers in New York. And also a link to the Philadelphia Sex Worker Fund. It is a fund in Philly you can donate to. There are grants available from $50 to $900. If you're a Philly sex worker, all you have to do is fill out the form on the Google site and they'll get back to you. 
and that's put on by the Philadelphia Red Umbrella Alliance as well as Project Safe. But yeah, it's episode 35. It's done. It's in the books. I appreciate y'all being here. We'll be here every Tuesday till the end of time. I'll see you there.